your destination. to the Destination Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, the Stone Cold Padre. I got today with me, Bob. Say hi, Bob. What's up? What's up? And I got my my big brohan with me here today. We're going to call him Rob to be as confusing as absolutely possible for everybody. Say hi, Rob. How are we doing? Today on the podcast, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, entitlement issues with Kyler Murray. Uh, we're going to talk about some prospects at the Combine. The Combine is going on this week. We're going to touch on the wide receivers in this class. And we're going to top it off with the, the Cleveland Browns. Um, so I hope everybody enjoys this podcast. And let's just start it off, like we said, at the top. What is going on here with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? Um I- you kind of saw you guys saw this letter that his agent put out. Uh, I don't know if it was just press released or if it was on Twitter or whatever. Uh, essentially, uh, it, it pretty much went number one. Kyler Murray wants to be the Cardinals' long-term quarterback. Number two, he's desperately wants to win a championship. And then three, four, five, six, seven, all the way down the line was I'm good enough. Pay me more money. Uh, what is your guys' take on Kyler Murray at this moment? I'll just start this off. I do believe Kyler Murray is a top 10 quarterback. I think he has proven to be a top 10 quarterback. However, I'm not saying he's top five, top three. I don't think he's the greatest. Um, but absolutely a top 10 quarterback. But he still has two years, full two years on his contract to go. I, I understand he is now eligible for a contract extension just as of a week or two ago he has hit the eligibility to sign an extension what is your take on these kyler murray demands of the arizona cardinals at this point in his career uh i think it's it's a lot for a, a guy that's you know had his years as a player have been pretty consistent but it's not you know he's not like and I don't know an Andrew Luck type that's coming in and just taking over the league. He's been a solid starting quarterback for three years, a double digit interception guy every year. I mean, he does have some really impressive stats, but he hasn't really had that moment like Burrow where he's carried the team. I'm not a quarterback wins guy, but you, you have to have that moment where you, you you lead the team, and I haven't seen it with Kyler Murray. I think he's a really fun guy to watch, but. I think that's kind of where it ends right now. And for him to demand this huge top payday seems seems like a, a real stretch to me. So there are three quarterbacks holding their team's ransom right now. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Kyler Murray. Out of those three, one of them does not belong in that group, and that is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has had one playoff game. He went He's 0-1 in the playoffs. He has 147 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and his only playoff game. The guy is good. I will say that he is good. He makes dynamic plays. But you are basically holding a team ransom, and you don't deserve to do that. He has not won one accolade in this league. He's not a Super Bowl MVP. He hasn't won a ring. He's not an MVP. He wasn't even rookie of the year in 2019. That belongs to Nick Bosa. So Kyler Murray does not deserve to hold the team ransom. I know he wants to get paid. And maybe he should get paid. But when you start demanding things like that, after your third year in the league, when you only made the playoffs once and you were terrible, come on. Yeah, That's a joke. It, it's interesting, and you mentioned Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they've, they've won a Super Bowl, and they've done it for years and years and years. I mean, 
Aaron Rodgers specifically, I know he only has the one Super Bowl win and people are kind of hold that against him. But for all intents and purposes, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, somebody who I've loved watching over the years, and Bob, Bob said it, Kyler Murray is very fun to watch. Um, but I, just just in my personal opinion, and I, I watched Kyler Murray from when he was a freshman at Texas A&M and things started going sour for him there. Bob touched on that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he, he pretty much bounced. I mean, he, he did start as a freshman at Texas A&M and played terrible and bounced. Um, it kind of, I, I wonder about Kyler Murray's commitment. I wonder about his effort. I wonder about his willingness. I don't know if he loves the game. I, I struggle with it, and I feel like the Cardinals should and do have this opinion that, you know, you have two years left on your deal before we have to pick up your fifth-year option. You haven't won a playoff game. Go out there and prove it to us this year, and then we'll pay you. But if he doesn't, I would be concerned from a Cardinals perspective that they sign him to a five-year deal, he plays until he's 28, and he retires. That would be my grand concern from the Arizona Cardinals that they could be paying out the ass for Kyler Murray to not win a playoff game, to, to put up highlight plays on the field every single week, but he'll put us in the seats during the regular season. Absolutely. But, but a, I don't think he's committed enough as an NFL quarterback to win a Super Bowl, And I think that the Cardinals, it was interesting with that letter from his agent because he was talking a little bit about commitment from the Cardinals and commitment from, you know, Kyler and um, some stability in the organization. And then they went out and they gave extensions to the GM and the coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who, uh, let's just go this way. How do you guys feel about Cliff Kingsbury? Let's start out with Rob. How do you feel about Cliff? Oh, Clifford. I think. He likes to throw the ball, and when that's not working, he has no other option. He, he wants to throw the ball downfield. He want, likes to run and gun, but he doesn't know how to do anything else. Like, the short passing game is not there. The, the running game, I mean, when it's working, he just abandons for no reason. He has this idea that he could just deep throw the ball when you don't have to. They could have won games last year if they would have just kept running the football. But the moment it started getting close, he tried to throw it all over God's green earth. And that's why Kyler gets to make those great plays, by the way, because of that offense allows it to. But I don't, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a terrible coach. I just don't think he makes adjustments the way he should. I think he thinks he's Sean McVay, and he isn't. Yes. I think that's a thing. I think he likes, I think he might like the smell of his own farts. I, I mean, I don't know him personally, but he just seems a little arrogant about his play calling. And uh, like you said, where he would have been in the run, I think, I almost think like he's feels like he's smarter than the guy on the other side of the field and uh, right. just kind of runs his offense how he feels like running it. And, yeah, and I mean, I, 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 I... I like I like uh, Kingsbury. I do think he's got a little bit of poor man's McVay to him, but I mean, I, I think he's a solid solid coach. I think my concern with him is is he is he the the leader to lead the organization with Kyler acting the way he's going to act. It seems like it's his personality, and I, I don't know if Kingsbury is the head coach to handle that. I you know I think it's just it it might not be the best marriage, but as far as the team can team is concerned, this is where I have a really hard part with Kyler is I feel like the Cardinals have done everything they could to put a team around him to make him successful. I mean, I I think if this is solely a money issue, that's one thing, but when you talk about bringing in um, Hopkins, they brought in green, you know, green Ertz, um, they brought over, um, James Conner, like 16 James touchdowns. Connor, that's who I, I couldn't think like, of his that's... name. Brother James Conner, um, they've drafted guys. I think they've put a team around Kyler Murray that that really shouldn't be an issue. They went out and got Watt for the defense to make sure that that was uh, stable on that side of the ball. I mean, they've done everything they could to, to um, attack the situation now to build a playoff team around the quarterback. 
Um, so let's call it like it is. I mean, it's a money money issue. 100%. He wants to get paid. He feels yeah. like he should be, you know, in that top five, you know, whatever paid group of $30, 40000000 million. That's what he thinks right now. I, and, also, I, and I feel as a guy who's only been in the league three years, I mean, I, I think the Cardinals are right in saying, you know, this year you got to prove it. I think they're right in doing that before they want to pay a guy top pay five. Him, but I don't know where – where do you pay him? I mean, if you look in that top five, top five, top 10, I mean, he's not a $40 million guy. I mean, if he wants a raise closer to maybe the, the Wentz golf type of 25, 30 million, that's one thing he, he, he may fit in as far as the top quarterbacks to that type of pay slot, but he's not going to take that. He, every new quarterback contract needs to be the highest paid quarterback. That's the way these things are going. And, you know, for Kyler Murray right now, even if it's for a couple minutes before Jackson gets his new contract is the highest paid quarterback. That's ridiculous. It would be a ridiculous spend yeah. for the, the Cardinals. I totally agree with that. Um, and that, that kind of the reason I was bringing up the Cliff Kingsbury contract extension is because I wonder if Kyler likes, <laughs> I wonder if he likes Cliff Kingsbury, you know, just based off of his attitude. Uh, I feel like if I felt a good camaraderie with a coach, uh, with a team, with an organization, and with a city, I'm not. I'm not clamoring this early for. I don't. Have we seen a quarterback do something like this before? This early in their career, when they haven't won a playoff game, haven't really proved anything. I just. I just feel like if he was really committed to the sport, the organization, and the city, uh, he would understand. He'd probably get paid a whole lot more if he just won this year and proved it. And got his contract next year. I mean, oh, he's also, he ain't broke. <laughs> he ain't broke. That's yeah, for sure. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but has he played a full season yet? I don't know if he's played a full 16, 17, whatever it is right now. Right. I don't think he I has. don't I don't think he has in three years. I don't think he's played a full season without being hurt. So maybe that has something to do with it too. Maybe he just wants to get paid and get out. Career high, 26 touchdown passes. He's thrown 70 touchdowns and 34 interceptions, about two to one. Uh, he's only 24 years old, man. Uh, he does he does have 20 rushing touchdowns, too. I think he's fair. the only quarterback in three years or to, to have 70 touchdowns in the air and 20 touchdowns um, rushing. So well, he does have that, but I will say that because of the pass numbers, in fact, he hasn't thrown for 4,000 yards, whatever you make of that. I'm not sure how he will be as he gets older. If he's, you know, if he can't run like he can anymore. I mean, maybe it is a smart form to strike while the iron's hot before he potentially gets hurt. And, you know, he might, he might struggle a little bit. I mean, he can throw, obviously he is a very good deep ball passer. It's not like he's terrible or something like that, but um, he hasn't really been a guy that just sits back there and picks the defense part out. Well, if uh fantasy football, if you had to have contracts for fantasy football, he'd be, he could be the top paid quarterback, but uh, in the real in the real NFL, um, I just don't see him as one of those guys who can put his team on his back. I don't see it. Yeah, it's really fun to watch. He is though. Anything else on Kyler Murray? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna move on to the combine that is going on right now as we speak, um, and. I spoke to you guys earlier this week about how high I am on this wide receiver class. I think not only is it, is it very good at the top of the draft, I think it's very deep. I think there are some studs who are going to fall into the third, maybe the fourth round, who could really be starting caliber NFL players. Agreed. I just wanted to uh, kick it off here with the top of the draft, uh, the guys who are projected to go at the top of the draft. Uh, who do you have as your number one receiver right now, Bob? Uh, I have Drake London. Okay, and this is where I, this is why I was asking because pre combine, I was very high on Drake London as well. I I think his tape looks phenomenal. However, like I was saying to you yesterday, uh, I worry about his forty time. I wanted to see his forty time. I thought if he ran, if he could run a four five, I thought he was the best wide receiver i think he would be drafted as the number one receiver in this draft 
but I didn't, I wasn't sure if he was going to. Um, and then he didn't run at the combine, which is always disappointing to me. My curiosity is why you think guys decide not to run at the combine. Why did they decide to run at a pro day where you don't necessarily get that official time like you get at at the combine? I think it's I think it's a workout in your your home turf. You, you do it on the field that you played in. You got your coaches around. It's just you. I think a lot of guys sometimes don't like that. You know, I don't want to say don't like the competition of being there, but, you know, especially when you get to those quarterback drills and it's one after another going out there and throwing, it becomes a very um, competitive. And I think, you know, people end up being judged very harshly on a, a few reps because yeah. it's that one after another environment. David Bell, four, six, five. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I thought Drake London was the number one receiver in this draft class. And then I, I watched the combine and, uh, I'm changing my pick guys. I think Chris Olave is the best receiver in this class. About a month ago, I, I said it was Jahan Dotson, uh, who I still am very high on. I think he should be a first round pick. I think, I think Dotson might even have moved ahead of Burks who we'll talk about more in a second. Um, yeah. But I think Chris Olave was a star at the combine. He ran a four three nine right there with Garrett Wilson. They were both kind of one and two. And I think these two Ohio State wide receivers are going to be the first two off the board. I I don't think the the two Ohio State guys will be, but I agree Olave could possibly be the number one guy now. Um, I think there's a really good chance if he's not already taken that he ends up staying in Ohio and going to. Browns, um, who we'll talk about later. I I think London or Olave is going to be that that pick for the Browns. It's just which one is which one's there. I've been seeing a lot of Drake London going to the Giants uh, as of late in mock drafts. And again, it's the same situation. He's the first wide receiver off the board in a lot of these mock drafts. Um, it's just it's very disappointing to me, especially I think. If 40 time matters anywhere, it's definitely at the wide receiver and the corner position. Uh, they got to be able to separate and or keep up the, the, the receiver. Um, so I, I wanted to see Drake London's 40 time, and I am very disappointed that I didn't get to see it. I guess we'll get to see it at his pro day. Um, but I, I, think, I think this was a decision by him that, that's hurting him right now. Of course, things can change. A lot happens from now until the draft. You know, still got about a month and a half until the draft. Uh, a lot can happen, but I was I was disappointed that Drake London didn't run the forty this week, uh, especially with keeping track and data and taking notes. Uh, I wanted a, a good gauge on these guys, and it was disappointing that he didn't run. Yeah, I think he's he's in a little bit of a different boat than Evan Neal. I think Evan Neal, maybe he won't be the first pick because he didn't go to the combine, but. I don't think it's going to affect his stock, but I do think London not going changes may change people's um, view because he was a little bit more in a pack where I think Neil has established himself as um, the number one offensive uh, lineman in the draft. Um, so I don't think that the combine is important for these top guys anymore because of exactly what you've just said. We'll wait for their pro days. So being in a group like that and having to do it one after another instead of – people are going to show up to their pro days anyway. So if you're a top guy knowing you have a pro day, then the combine isn't that important because you're already going to show your skills somewhere else. Um, I think that I like guys who go to the combine because of the competition aspect. Like who's showing up when all the eyes are on me? All, all my peers are here. All the guys I'm competing with to get picked higher in the draft are all here. And I'm showing out. That, if I were an NFL GM, that would mean a lot more to me than working out with your teammates at your pro day. I guess. But, I mean, Jerry Jones is not at this combine, just so we're all aware of that. He is yeah. not there. Neither is Robert Saley for the New York Jets. Like, coaches are starting not to show up anymore. So I didn't know that. I think yeah. it, I think it really makes a, a difference in um, where you're at in the mix. I think for a top tier guy, like I pointed out, it's probably not a huge deal. But you look at guys like um, both got both Austins, uh, Kevin Austin Jr. at Notre Dame. Oh, I think he's Calvin a guy. Austin. 
Kev and Calvin Austin from Memphis, both have established themselves. um, And they were guys that really people weren't talking about, but now they are. Um, Another guy, um, Watson out of North Dakota State, is a guy that I think may go from a third or fourth round guy to, I mean, he may even be a second round guy once this whole thing's done because of how good of a job he did. Um, But then, you know, like I said, the London's of the world will, or, you know, Willis missed the – he didn't do everything at the Combine. I don't think it really matters for them because I think people have seen enough um, to, to establish them uh, in their spot. Exactly. Okay, so I'm looking at NFLDraftBuzz.com. This is very in-depth analysis about the draft coming up, uh, a site I've been checking out quite a bit lately. They have Garrett Wilson as the number one receiver in this draft, Drake London two, and Jamison Williams number three, who is dealing. He, he tore his ACL very late in the season. Was it in the national championship game, actually, or the playoff game? One or the other, Jamison Williams tore his ACL, obviously could not perform at the Combine. But just based off of this, it has him as a 4-2-5 guy, significantly faster than anyone else in this draft. Uh. Oh, well, not in the draft, but the top of the draft. There was that Thornton guy I never necessarily heard of before who ran very fast. Um, what, is your like t- what is your take on guys heading into the draft like Jamison Williams, who who had a late-season injury and really didn't have a chance to perform during this offseason? Do you think this is going to significantly hurt his draft stock, or do you think he did enough on the field this year to keep that first-round uh, tag? Guys so, always flip to the second. I think he'll I think he'll be a second round guy because of that. There's just it's just such a deep wide receiver class that's so close together. I think that'll be that'll be the knock on him. I mean, he's kind of like Justin Ross in a sense, where I think both of them have tons of talent, but the health concerns are gonna are gonna keep them out of the, the first the first round. So as a 49ers fan who has for some strange reason, Mr. Lynch loves to take guys with tearing ACLs thinking he's getting a steal and they never actually see the field. I don't, I don't, I think it is going to hurt him a little bit, you know, but I also think he had a phenomenal, you know, career at Alabama. He got a lot of playing time. He got a lot of national television time because the SEC is all over the place. So people know his name. So I think that, he'll be okay i just i don't see him being a number one pick in the top in the first round so yeah and i'm also thinking about i mean if i go back to last year's off season uh you know coming off of last season's college football championship uh not the one where georgia won the national championship the one before i'd like to forget georgia won the national championship so we'll move on. But if you would have asked me last offseason, I would have said John Mechie the third, Jamison Williams running mate at, at Alabama, was the number one receiver in this class. And he's dealing with the same thing. He had a um an injury during the season, missed the remainder of the season, still not able to work out. Uh he was another guy who I would have projected to be in the first round, who's who's definitely not going to be any longer and could fall even deeper. Uh, I think John Mechie is going to be a steal for somebody late, later in the draft. I think there's a lot of those guys in the draft. And we talked about um, Justin Ross recently. If he stays healthy, I think he's a guy that you can take um, in one of the, the middle rounds. Mechie, um Watson from North Dakota State, we already touched on him. Um, I, I, I think it's really um, similar to the running back position where there's a ton of guys that are very close together. Um, everyone may have a different guy as their number one, but in the the meat of it, if you're a team that needs a running back or you need a wide receiver, you're going to have multiple options available um, that that you can be excited about. Speaking of excited, did I tell you guys I'm excited about Calvin Austin? Uh, I watched this guy play during the season, and I was I was so impressed. So to see him, uh, kind of finally like burst into the, the spotlight a little bit this week with the, with the combine going on. I'm just even more excited that everyone else is excited about Calvin Austin uh, from Memphis. I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's Debo Samuel-esque. Um, I think he's going to be great. Definitely. I mean, 
I didn't know who this guy was before the before the combine, and he's putting on a show. I'll give him that. Um, I don't understand how Memphis hasn't been really good because they've been putting people into the NFL like crazy the last couple of years. They have been kind of top tier of Conference USA, but it's yeah. Conference USA. Is that is that what's going on? Oh, they're playing UAB and stuff. So. Four point three two. That's all you uh, need to know. Yeah, Memphis. Memphis has been putting out pros lately. They yeah. absolutely have skill position pros. Absolutely. Um, Antonio Gibson, one of my former favorite players. Uh, Bob. Bob <laughs> knows. Pollard. Bob knows why. Um, yeah. Tony Pollard was uh, another Memphis skill player. There you go. Wasn't like yeah, Daryl yeah. Henderson or something? Wasn't he Memphis? There's another running back who went. You might be right. I, um, I know Kenneth Gainwell last year. Kenneth yeah, Gainwell. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're putting out pros. They, they are putting out pros. Team yeah, on the rise. So. All right. Um, Traylon Burks did not run a very good forty. Uh, four five five that was significantly slower than I thought he was going to run. He's a big, powerful wide receiver. Can go up and get the ball, uh, but I thought he looked a little awkward at at the combine. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, he definitely had he he flashed all season playing. You know, not the greatest quarterback play at Arkansas ever. Yeah, but he definitely flashed. Uh, I I didn't think he had a great combine. And Again, does the combine matter in the grand scheme of things? I'm not so sure. Jerry Rice run a four, ran a 4.71. So I can't be overly concerned with uh, the combine. But uh, in today's NFL, in this, today's NFL, in this day and age, uh, this is going to slide him down the draft, I think. Uh, and especially the same thing goes for David Bell, wide receiver out of Purdue, who ran a 4.65. This is a guy who was kind of projected bottom of the first round, top of the second round. I think this is going to really drop him down. Yeah, I think, you know, the the combine has its pluses and minuses. I think you have to take everything with a little bit of grain of salt. But when you're trying to make player comparisons, um, you know, a lot of the tools that that they show end up being helpful in doing so. And I think when it comes to Burks, you know, you kind of saw that maybe he's not the Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown mold with that 40 time um, that I think people, you know, it was kind of viewed as he might be that type of player, but, you know, there's always, always players have a, a bad run or, or so, and it's not a direct correlation to production, um, especially when you see the 40 times, but um, yeah, it was a disappointing um, week for, for Burks. Definitely. So just Mike Evans has a four, five, three, 40. Mike Evans is one of the best players in the league. Yeah. So I don't, speed is not everything. And like you said, he's still a big, powerful wide receiver. So, I mean, four six is, is really slow, but I don't think it's going to be the end of the world for him. No. Um, I think Mike Evans, I think Mike Evans was a different breed than David Bell uh, because uh, Mike Evans made Johnny Manziel. Uh, tell me who Purdue's quarterback was last year. That guy who played quarterback for Purdue? Right. Uh, and yeah. that's kind of what I'm saying was that Mike Evans was just a different breed. So when he ran, what do you say, a 4-5-5? Four, 4-5-3. Five, five? Four, five, I mean, at, at, his, at his size, speed, playmaking ability, I think that was uh... – a. I almost wonder, though, if he would have ran a 4-4. Four, four. He, may, he probably would have gotten picked higher. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it definitely yeah, did affect you know, with the, like I said, with the combine, I mean, it really just kind of affects your priors. I mean, there are good players, you know, you look at the quarterbacks, everyone made a big deal out of Pickett's hand size, but it, it's just a tool to use to whether you, if you didn't like them, it's just a tool to prove why you were right. And it yeah. has really nothing to do on the field. There's good players that have had smaller hands. There's players that have been terrible that have had big hands. So it's not, you know, it's one factor in the whole makeup of, of the guy. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think it gives teams, uh, um, I think it gives them cause for concern. And that's why it brought, like, you might love a player. And then you see something like Kenny Pickett has the smallest hands in the NFL. Yeah. It's a tool to overthink like, about. Ooh, ooh, maybe, maybe not. You know, that's something I'm worried yeah. about now. Yeah. <clears throat> It's a tool to help overthink um, the how three or however many months you have 
to from the Super Bowl or the last game of the season to um, draft day. And when you think about all the different guys that were number one picks, I mean, I think back to Teddy Bridgewater, who was the surefire number one pick for so long, and then talk and talk and talk, and then he ended up, you know, I think wherever he ended up getting drafted, but he wasn't the number one guy. You went 32nd, just, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a later pick. So it's just a tool to overanalyze and overthink. Absolutely. Uh, I have one more comment I'd like to make about the Combine. Is there any doubt Malik Willis is the first quarterback off the board now? No, there's not. He's he's going to be the first quarterback. Um, I do think the guy that, that shook mm-hmm. things up a little bit may have been Sam Howell. I really liked Howell two years ago. I thought he was going to be the number one quarterback for sure last year. He did not do as well throwing the ball, even though I do think he's the best deep pass. He might be, I think he's the best deep passer in the group. Um, he he struggled. Uh, he was a better runner last year than he was a passer. But I do like him. I thought he had a good week. I think he's got himself as the number two quarterback. We'll see how Matt Corral's, Matt Corral's uh, pro day goes. He didn't do much. He didn't do anything this week. But um, I think Howell will solidify himself as that number two guy. I think think if I was going to project right now he will be the Steelers quarterback next year Malik Willis no I think Willis I I agree with you I think Willis gets that sixth pick to Carolina and then I think Howell ends up going to to Pittsburgh I like that I agree I think Sam Howell did did more for himself this week in the quarterback race than uh than anybody else did that's for sure Malik Willis definitely I in my opinion the clear-cut number one quarterback but um Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think Sam Howell did himself a service this week and moved up probably to the number two quarterback. I'm interested to see, guys. Uh, you know, a month and a half until the draft is very exciting, especially running a dynasty league. Um, it's very exciting. Uh, my my book of notes is flowing. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good time. Uh, any final thoughts on the combine this week? It was an interesting combine. I thought a lot of the things you kind of expected, Willis being the the top quarterback, ended up being being accurate. But I think it was a really good week for Kenneth Walker the third. We didn't really oh yeah, get a huge Four, three, week. Nine. Three, I for me, you know, Kenneth Walker was one of the biggest winners because I had him fourth or fifth. I agree. I, I moved him personally to the number two running back behind Brees Hall. That's yeah. another thing. I was very disappointed Isaiah Spiller didn't run because I wanted yeah. to see those three 40 times. And seeing Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker both run under 4-4, I was blown away by that. They did not look yeah. that fast on tape at all. I, I thought they were both going to be 4-5 at best. And mm-hmm. to see them run that fast, wow, I was shocked. Yeah. I think they were they solidified themselves as the top two running backs um, in the draft this year for sure. We will see. Kyron Williams didn't do it, that's for sure. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, Rob, any final thoughts on the combine this week? I mean, the combine's the combine. Most of your big stars don't really care about the combine because they have a pro day. You know, we still got three weeks to the draft. I'm going to give a real hot take here that the combine is just so people start talking about football during spring training. So, I mean, in all reality, and they shouldn't have had one this year. I know. I wish so too. Yeah. Really. That's a whole nother topic, but I mean, I think, I think pro days and I think teams already know who their top, those top 10 teams already have their guys in place. They should. So I don't I don't think the combine matters as much for those top guys. It's the middle of the pack guys who are trying to solidify themselves as, you know, two number two, uh, second or third round picks that this is for who it's for. So we shall see. I'm excited. I know that, you know, absolutely. The 2022 combine. That's it. All right. Uh, That is the 2022 combine review. And now we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Okay. We are talking Cleveland Browns here today. Uh, Cleveland is coached by 
Kevin Stefanski, offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt, defensive coordinator Joe Woods. Uh, they're kind of a middle-of-the-road type of team, uh, kind of like a below-average offense, above-average defense, nothing exceptional. They do have some stars at several positions, however, some glaring holes without a doubt. Uh, one one giant glaring hole from last year I'm sure we'll talk about with the offense is definitely Baker Mayfield, and that is kind of where the Cleveland Browns struggled the most last year. They dominate on the ground. They are awesome on the ground. Nick Chubb is arguably the best pure running back in the NFL. That's a debatable topic we can have at a future time, but overall, the Browns, they dominate offensively on the ground up front, a very solid offensive line. However, they struggle with down-the-field passing. Baker struggles to do that, especially this year. He kind of fell off. Again, we'll get into that more as we talk about the offense. Dealing with a lot of injuries, but the big glaring thing that held the Browns back 100% is the penalties. Averaging six and a half penalties per game, that's 27th in the league. Almost 61 penalty yards per game. That That's a pretty high number one of the worst in the NFL and was kind of the cause of uh, I don't want to call it a late season collapse but the opportunity for them to make the playoffs for the second consecutive year which is quite impressive for the Cleveland Browns to make the playoffs two years in a row the opportunity was there and unfortunately they lost it was like three of their last four games were one score games where they had a chance to get into the playoffs and unfortunately, little things like this, when you don't throw the ball well, when you can't pass the ball down the field and you rely so heavily on the running game. Um, again, they they were sixth in the NFL in, in runs per game. They ran the ball 46% of the time, which sounds crazy in today's NFL to be so close to 50-50. However, the Browns are definitely the team most equipped in the NFL to do so with two top-tier running backs. I already mentioned Nick Chubb. We also had Kareem Hunt down there, and those two combined to average number one. We'll even throw Dearness Johnson in there. He was a, a solid back himself. 5.1 yards per carry, number one in the NFL, uh, 145.4 yards on the ground per game. That was fourth in the NFL. Just glaring issues with the passing game, glaring issues with penalties, which you could, you could kind of chalk up to coaching, which is what I'm going to get into here first with Kevin Stefanski. Uh, it's unfortunate because I think he's a really good coach. Um, obviously, led the Browns to an 11-5 and season in his first year, took them to the playoffs for the first time in, I think it was 17 years. Um, so really, I think he's a really good good coach um maybe some discipline issues obviously the Odell Beckham situation definitely stirred up the locker room uh, but overall I think this is a really really talented team uh again Kevin Stefanski calls the plays let me ask you guys a question I want your opinion on this they have an offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt who is a journeyman quarterback in the NFL as himself he's been a journeyman quarterbacks coach uh ever since his playing career ended let me ask you guys something what is the job of an offensive coordinator if he doesn't call the plays? That's a great question. Right? I'm kind of I, I saw this and I've kind of been seeing this a lot lately. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, if I'm wrong, 49ers fan, but Kyle Shanahan calls the plays for the Niners, right? Oh, absolutely. Calls the plays for the Rams. I don't really understand what an offensive coordinator does if he doesn't call the plays. The only thing I can think of an offensive coordinator does is that he thinks of the game plan for the defense. That's the only thing I can think of. But even so, the head coach is still probably doing that if he's calling the plays. So I don't, I don't know. Nevertheless, um, offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt, as I mentioned, journeyman quarterback himself. Uh, he had one prior experience as an offensive coordinator before uh, this stint here with the Browns. He spent a half a season in Buffalo as their offensive coordinator in 2009. And uh, just in my opinion, if he got that little half a shot right there and didn't get another chance to be an offensive coordinator in 12 years, 
that kind of stands out to me that maybe he's not really a long-term option. Maybe that's why Kevin Stefanski is calling the plays. I'm not really sure. Um, but their defensive coordinator, Joe West, uh, a guy who, uh, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm sorry. Joe Woods. Joe Woods, not Joe West. He's an umpire. Um, Joe Woods. Joe Woods is really a standout type of defensive coordinator. Again, this is only his second time being a defensive coordinator, but I just want to kind of run down some of the accolades Joe Woods has as a coach in the NFL. He was the defensive back coach for Tampa Bay in 2004. He coached Ron Bay Barber to back-to-back all-pro seasons. Um, He was uh, he was uh, in Minnesota again as the defensive backs coach, which uh, he coached them to a top 10 defense uh, four out of his first five years as the DB coach there. He got he got a job with the Raiders as the DB coach where he was able to coach Charles Woodson, yet another Hall of Famer that he's coached. Um, he was in Denver. Is this where he was the... He was in Denver as the DB coach in 2015. They were first against the pass, holding teams under 200 yards per game. Again in 2016, 185 yards per game passing against for a Joe Woods run defensive back four. Um, what else did I? Uh, then he was Denver's offense uh, defensive coordinator. They were third in the NFL in total defense, and their run defense improved by 40 yards year over year for when Joe Woods took over the defensive coordinator job. This is a guy who has from 2004, when he got his first job as a coach in the NFL has just proven himself over and over and over again. And this is his first legitimate shot as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. And I think he is a standout defensive coordinator. Uh, You see with Enzo Ward, who is arguably a top five corner in the NFL at this point, who, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Denzel Ward was a first-round pick who wasn't playing well. Um, I think that this is a really strong defensive coordinator and a big reason why they have such a strong defensive unit. Um, let's kick it over to Bob to talk about the offense. Well, I mean, the offense, you put it best, it goes through Baker Mayfield. I mean, he had a terrible season last year. And they said he was injury plagued, but I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I mean, you look at his stats, he threw for 3,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. The only time he has not thrown for double-digit interceptions is 2021 when – I mean, the 2020 season when they made the playoffs. So that's the only time he hasn't. His ratio for his whole career is about 2 to 1 when it comes to touchdowns, to interceptions. He's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. That's all he's ever going to be. And the problem with the NFL is when you have a middle-of-the-road quarterback, do you pay him or not? And that's what a lot of teams are being forced with right now because the market for quarterbacks is ridiculous. I mean, it's just been crazy the past couple of years. But do you pay a guy like Baker Mayfield? And that's what the Browns got to look at. Um other than other than Baker Mayfield, their running game was phenomenal. It, it's an old throwback kind of team where the run game is going to set up the pass game. Unfortunately, as a 49ers fan, I watched plenty of times the run game set up play action passes, and they just couldn't do it. Um, you saw Baker Mayfield's numbers dip completely when Odell Beckham was out. He, If it was not going to Odell Beckham, there wasn't much going on there. They lost four games last year with only scoring 14 points. And one of them was against the Baltimore Ravens, who everyone scored over 14 points against. The offense just did not have any flow whatsoever. Um, They're also – Jarvis Landry is good as gone. They need to – they have no wide receiver other than him. Anthony Schwartz and Donovan Peoples-Jones are going to be their number one and two as it stands right now. And Anthony Schwartz has not been on the field yet. And Donovan Peoples-Jones has shown flashes where he can be good, but that's about it. They have Higgins as a free agent, who I don't think they're going to resign. They have Njoku as a free agent as well, who I don't think is going to resign either. Um, You also mentioned penalties. And Stefanski is a 
good coach, but they brought him in because Freddie Kitchens, they basically said, had no discipline whatsoever. But you're starting to see it now that the team itself is just undisciplined. They need to, they need to work on that. But that running game, if they can build around the running game, and if Baker Mayfield can stop making mistakes and when the running game's not working, he can be sufficient enough and they can get a playmaker that when they throw play action, they can open up that field. I mean, they they have the capability of being better than middle of the road. It boils down to Baker Mayfield, and can they get either a free agent or someone in the draft that can open up that, that window for them to be able to pass the ball down the field, open up that space, and let those two running backs go at it? I think that's going to be the big key for them this offseason, and they need a wideout. That's basically what it boils down to. Um, fortunately for them, they do have Baker for, I believe, one more year before they have to decide on his fifth-year option. Um, right. So fortunately for them, they do have this season to give Baker Mayfield that opportunity, um, and he's going to have to prove it. Uh, you kind of see uh, Cam Newton. It was Cam Newton. Cam Newton with the Panthers. Uh, no, the Patriots. And they gave the job to Mac Jones. Um, and it was kind of like Cam Newton was such a big name, such a polarizing name, that if he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback, he just didn't have a place on the roster. And I wonder if Baker Mayfield is kind of the name, kind of the figure in that same vein, where if he's not the starting quarterback, he's not going to be around. And will he be able to find another starting job? I don't know. Is anyone going to want to bring him in as the backup? I don't know. It could be, and, could be 2022, could be a make or break in Baker Mayfield's career in the NFL. So when, here's, here's the thing. With the big quarterbacks that are out there, and if you're the Cleveland Browns, you have that money too. The Cleveland Browns have, is, has the 11th most salary cap in the NFL right now. Million and it, if they cut Jarvis Landry, they save another $11 million. They could go after one of those big-name quarterbacks if they're willing to do that. But if not, and you're going to say, we're going to give Baker Mayfield one more year, because there are teams out there, because his contract is still that rookie deal, would take a chance on him right now. I do believe that. So if they're going to move from him, I think they'd move from him that way. And I think they do it before they have to make that option. So that would be my take on if they would move from Baker Mayfield. Otherwise, you're basically saying this year is a rebuild. And I don't think they're ready for a rebuild just yet. I mean, they were this close to being in the playoffs last year. So it's not like they, you know, couldn't have made it with a couple different breaks going their way. But if they could get one of those quarterbacks, I think that they would make that move. Yes. They absolutely need to make a move for a wideout. Absolutely. If you're going to give Baker Mayfield an opportunity, you got to get him a weapon or two or three. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they're going to have to get some 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 type of explosive player in, in in Cleveland to help him out. Or, I mean, he's really with the roster he has right now. He's not he doesn't really have a, a chance. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you already meant. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones will be a really good number three receiver a really good number three receiver. I mean, Anthony Schwartz, I'm not interested. Um, and beyond that, Austin Hooper, you know. Bob, what's your take on the offense? I think they need to open it up a little bit. I think they need to draft a receiver. I think they, you know, in the it's a good draft for that, especially in the spot they're in where they're in the uh, middle of the first round. I think you may get Drake London may be available. I think he'd be a perfect fit for – for Cleveland, he can really establish himself as the number number one receiver there. But you know, I look back at where Baker Mayfield came from. He came from Texas Tech, passed first with um, Cliff Kingsbury. Then he went over to Oklahoma and uh, um, Lincoln Riley, and it was a pass first offense. It wasn't this run, 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 pass. I don't love the fit with Stefanski's offense. I I think Baker's a guy that needs to get. Um, He's like a he's like a three point shooter. You need to get him the ball. He needs to get his shots up. He he's not a guy that's going to hand the ball off two times and then on third third and long you're going to expect him to to make the pass. He he's clearly not that guy. 
I think they need to open it up a little bit. And, you know, as we mentioned, it's a little tough with the makeup of the offense right now. Um, but that's the, that's the change I'd like to like to see them make. Um, and he kind of reminds me of the Carson Wentz conversation we had a, a week or two ago where there's something about Baker that I agree. I, he's got an unlikability factor to him. It seems like that people don't really want him around. I think he almost gets graded on a curve in a negative sense because it's, if he's bad, he sucks. And if he's good, he's average type of deal. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you look, as Rob mentioned, the playoff year, he played really well. Um, and I think in his rookie year, I believe he did well, too. He's kind of gone on a back and forth thing. I think years two and four were pretty bad. Years one and three were, were pretty good. So it, it's interesting it's run with him. Yeah, absolutely. Bob, let's, uh, let's talk about that star-studded defense that they got over there. They were a top five defense last year, as we mentioned, really the one gaping hole in the Cleveland Browns. Well, the two things are the pass game that we touched on on the offensive side of the ball and their run defense, which was 12th in the league. So still top half of the league, but um, it's the one area they're really weak on, um, along with wide receiver. Uh, a draft pick that they really need is uh, a defensive lineman. I think you're going to see that. I, I would predict the first two picks are going to be something to enhance the passing game, and then you're going to see a guy over the middle. Luckily for them, the draft's pretty loaded in both of those categories, and I think you know one of the multiple Georgia defensive linemen might be a good um, a good pick for them at some point. But as as we mentioned, they're they're loaded with talent. They got. Um, the defensive ends where you got Jadavion Clowney, um, you got Miles Garrett, uh, you got Jeremiah Wosu, uh, Koromoa, who I think is, is, uh, is a stud Denzel Ward. They're really loaded. I think the, the weak spot, the, the run game that I mentioned 12th ranked, but total defense, their fifth passing defense, their fifth makes sense. As you mentioned with Woods being a pass defense guru, it's it's really paid off here, but in that AFC North, when you got um, you got the Steelers with Najee Harris, you got Baltimore, who who wants to run the football. If you're not not the best uh, or very particularly great run defense, you're going to get hurt. And I think that that's part of the reason that they struggled down the stretch last year and ultimately didn't make the playoffs. I mean, as we mentioned, I, I really don't think they're that particularly offensively. They are, but they're pretty close in my opinion to the Bengals other than the pass offense, which obviously is a huge part of it. But, you know, I, I think they were tied at one point this late in the season, as far as standings wise, the Bengals went up, they, they went down, but you know, I, I think from a defensive standpoint, I'd take the Browns defense over the Bengals probably. I think the one, one glaring hole between them is, is the pass game. Absolutely. Do you think there's any chance they bring Jadavion Clowney back? No, I don't think so. I think the, the I I think that the market might be a little rich there. And I'm actually kind of curious about Jadavion Clowney because I was looking at his stats and I have a I'm curious about you guys, how you guys feel about this. Do you feel like Jadavion Clowney has had a wildly disappointing career? Yes. I'm yeah. gonna put it this way if Jadavion Clowney does not not knock someone's helmet off in the Rose Bowl would he even be a number one pick I'm not sure he kind of gets talked about like he's a monster and I kind of had it in my head he was a monster he has a career high of nine and a half sacks he had nine sacks in two two years and beyond that I mean he, he hasn't gotten there 41 sacks in eight seasons I mean I he's know. had a good career but great career, Hall of Fame career, what they're going to throw. He's right. The money market's going to be out there for him. I just don't see why somebody's going to pay him other than oh, the name. He's going to get big money. Absolutely. Right. All right. Um, you guys got any free agent targets for uh, the Cleveland Browns? The really big one is Devontae Adams. He's out there. Um, that'd be the, you know, Godwin's out there too. Godwin's coming off of, I believe the ACL, right? Yeah. He's coming off that injury. So, but if you can go get Devontae Adams, you have the money to do it. I'd make a shot for him. I, I mean, that would take care of your top priority. That is your top priority right now is to get a wide out. 
and Devontae Adams would definitely fill that hole. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I feel like every team we've talked about so far, it's kind of been like, yeah, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, you know, just, of course, you know, we definitely want to be those top wide receivers. But, however, a guy like Devontae Adams, is he realistic to Cleveland? I'm not sure he'd want to go there. I would be sure Devontae Adams isn't playing with Aaron Rodgers next year, wherever that may be. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. I think package deal. And I don't think he's going to – I don't think uh, – if – I don't know. If he goes somewhere non-Rodgers, that would be very – that would surprise me. But I don't know. I saw him – PFF had him going to Jacksonville, so. Let's go. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a non, non-free agent, but a target. You know, as I, I think Amari Cooper at some point this offseason is going to be traded. So along the same same lines, I think for the for the Browns, they're a team that could probably give up a little bit more in a trade because their needs are pretty specific right now to wide receiver and defensive line. So I think if even if they even if they gave up a or a second or first, I mean, they don't have as many needs. They they can give up a little bit more to get a guy like that. But from a free you know free agents. You mentioned Adams, but you know Gallup will be available. Wilson from the Cowboys. Um, I know we talked about it with the Commodores podcast. the The free agent market is 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 pretty good for a wide receiver, and it seems like a common tread with these teams we talk about. Absolutely, I, I was kind of trying to think of. Uh, all right, so hypothetically, DJ Chark does not resign with the Jaguars I think that's another another player that they could take a look at someone who they could probably get a, a little bit cheaper of a deal somebody coming off of an injury who's who has proven in the past he could be a number one receiver um you know somebody young and and very fast who um who they could get for cheaper you know I think DJ Shark would be a pretty good target for him DJ Shark do 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 so if, if for any of our listeners at home right now are wondering, no, we are not Cleveland Browns fans. Uh, Rob, did you do a mock, mock draft for us? I did do a mock draft. So my mock draft, I actually did two of them. So I'm going to do the one that we didn't trade for. Um, and I have them taken with their number one pick, Garrett Wilson, okay. wide receiver out of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, he's got the speed, he's got the ability. He could definitely be a number one wide receiver, you know? So I, I went with him number one. And then I actually went with an edge rusher. Number two of Kinsley. Anabore. I think I'm saying that right out of South Carolina. Hold on one second. That's- one second. I did a mock draft and my, my, he was my second round pick. And my first round pick, I didn't take Garrett Wilson. I'll explain why. And I took Chris Olave. But literally, okay. we're going the same. We're going the same way. Keep going. All right. Sky Moore out of Western Michigan is just because, yep, yep, he's still on the board. And they're going to stock up on wide receivers because they need as many. I see you. You got Sky Moore as well? Same pick. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then. We went with Neil Farrell Jr. at 104, defensive lineman out of LSU, bolster. Nah, yeah, boo, we're <laughs> booing that one. Okay, okay. And the 115th pick, I actually am going to take a quarterback, take a flyer on Bailey Zapp out of Western Kentucky. Just Even if it's just to have someone there to say, hey, Baker, it's time to get your shit together, buddy. Honestly, yeah. I, I've been scouting the rookies, and if I were to take a, a late mid-round pick on a quarterback, he'd be the one, definitely. Yeah, that that's I he's got a big arm. He could throw it downfield. You know, we were talking about that play action. He could do that. And even if it's just so Baker has someone looking over his shoulder finally, that they have to do something there. You know? All right. Pick number yeah. 154. I took Nick Cross safety out of Maryland because their uh, Denzel Ward's good in their backfield, but the rest of them, eh, Greedy Williams, eh, so they could definitely use secondary help. And my 191 pick, I just took the center from Kentucky, Luke Fortner. I have no idea who Luke Fortner is, but yeah, he was there. 
once we get late on these mock drafts, I draft yeah. a guy and then I scout. Yeah. Sure, I'm cool with it. I don't know who Luke Fortner is, but he was there, so I took him. Yeah, fast. so that, that is my Mac draft right there. Now that's pretty good. That's where I was going. I also I got rid of one of the drafts. I got rid of their number one and their number two this year, along with a number three pick for Aaron Rodgers. That did happen. Just were aware of that. So that one went a little crazy. But that was with no with no trades and they didn't pick up any free agents. That was the draft I got. I want to see Aaron Rodgers go to the Vikings. I just want to keep seeing Green Bay legends go to Minnesota. I think that'd be sick. That's near. I actually think Aaron Rodgers is going to the New York Jets. I have this weird feeling he's going to New York. Tyler Murray. We talked about that. (laughs) There is a lot of quarterback. And here's the thing. All these quarterbacks aren't really free agents. They just want out. So they don't even have to go anywhere. And that's the thing. You got it's kind of crazy how it's working out. The like really over the past couple of years, it's really hitting its stride right now. Where they man, these guys who have had a career already are just pretty much doing whatever they want. They're pretty much just controlling the narrative at this point. And Kyler Murray's trying to jump on that bandwagon a little early. That's a whole nother topic. That's Kyler Murray doesn't deserve that yet. Just so we're all aware of that. Don't disagree. So, Don't disagree. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't earned that right yet. All right, guys. Any final thoughts on the Cleveland Browns? I think the Cleveland Browns are going to add the right pieces to bolster that offense with that defense and become a 49ers prototype team where their quarterback will be good enough to get them close, but not all the way there. I think this is Baker Mayfield's last year there, too. They have a very similar makeup, uh, their roster. It's a very similar. I think I almost think Cleveland might have a, a better defense overall than the Niners. Um, it's, so. it's discipline. Don't turn the ball over. And I think they, I think they could be a dark horse team. Yep. I'll go the, I'll go the opposite. I think Baker's going to play well enough. They're going to make the playoffs, and I think they're going to have a better year than the Bengals. They'll pick up his fifth year option. I, I mean, I, I can see the Bengals not even being a playoff team next year. Just, I mean. They kind of came out of nowhere this year, got really hot late in the season, but I could see them going 800 next I mean, 800, I, 500 next year. I was going 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah, I mean, you'll see how they go, but I, I think that the uh, Ravens will have a comeback year. They're going to be healthier next year. I think uh, Cleveland will – I think the Bengals, I would have them in third. I, I don't know what's going on in the Steelers until they get a quarterback, so I'll, I sort of expect them to have a down year, but – they could also get a quarterback and be right in the mix too. Uh, baby hands pick it. <laughs> if you're hearing this now, we've already talked about the combine. Eight and a half inches. I, I'm, how do they measure that? Is it? Is I, it I, I think it's from finger? middle finger down to here. I think that's that. I, think. <laughs> I, thought, I feel like. Oh, is it that way? That's what I thought. Well, maybe mine's eight and a half inches. I might measure it when I get out. This is the first time I've ever heard about hand size, so. Uh, I heard about it a lot with Kyler Murray, also. Yeah, well. That's when I first kind of started hearing about it. I think Drew Brees had that issue, too. We saw how that worked out, so. I don't think you mean small, small guys have small hands. So I don't think yeah. small hands necessarily makes you uh, in insufficient quarterback, but uh, no. apparently I will. I will say that it concerns me more about the gloves now that he has small hands because I feel like that he may have an issue there if he needs the gloves. Well, I'm so mad at Teddy him. Teddy Bridgewater's done it his whole career. He's you know yeah, yeah. 25th best in the league. And, but it makes me think he's got an issue holding on. All more. That's he's why got he's wearing the gloves. Got these uh, it was always kind of weird seeing him throw with those two gloves on. 
So doing this podcast on the Cleveland Browns was about as much fun as uh, being a Cleveland Browns fan is, I'm sure. All right, anyway, you can find us on Facebook at Destination Football. You can find us on Twitter at Destination FB. You know, we'd love to hear you. Uh, We want to have a fan of all these teams come on and and talk to us so we can have a, a more entertaining podcast. So if you're interested in coming on the podcast, hit us up at one of those places. Uh, If you know us personally, shoot us a text. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and uh, talk to you about your team on this podcast. You can hear more from my brother. He he does some sports cards, uh, buying, selling, trading. And he's got a page on Instagram, at Cornelius the Card Wizard. Hit him up, hear more from him. And other than that, Cleveland Browns, Destination Football.